As the music is playing, once again, Golf Spiritual Leader and Coach Tim welcome you to another episode of Swing Thoughts. This is the uh, golf podcast that, uh, well, I guess everyone knows. It's, it's something for everyone. You know, there's some golf, there's some spirituality, there's fellowship. Camaraderie. Yeah, we got that. the same as fellowship. It doesn't matter. It's nice nice to know that we have it all uh, here. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, listen, uh, there's other golf podcasts and lots of good ones. Uh, but this is, you know, this is ours. And if you don't like it, why did you, why did you download it? <clears throat> huh? Although, to be fair, we don't get a lot of... Uh, most of the feedback we get is so nice and genuine and sweet. And uh, it it's very, you know, like I... I was on our Swing Thoughts Facebook page, you know, some point in the last few weeks. And very often, I don't know if you go there, but like, and I feel bad because sometimes like I won't, I won't check it out for a while. And then I'll see there's some nice comments from people. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Nice people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can leave a, yeah, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a Facebook checker either. I get notices. Hey, come back. There's 96 things have happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, People I don't you know have done nice things or gone to Florida or something. Yeah, I don't really go to. Well, yeah, I see you've posted something or recently on our Facebook page, the quiet eye approach to putting. Um, I don't go to Facebook yeah. other than to check the feed on the Humble and Fred show. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of every show, I'll go and check, make sure that it recorded. Because it's what we use as a backup. But what I was going to sort of get at is, you know, our our Facebook, if you go to Swing Thoughts on Facebook, there's always some nice comments and, uh, again, very nice people that follow us. And so I just wanted to say thank you, nice people. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm. All right. This program is brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. How's that uh, stealth driver working out for you? It's pretty good, huh? Very, very nicely. I still have the obligation to swing it well. <laughs> it's still up to me to put a good move on it. Yes. Um, so it's like, so, yeah, we we need to talk about this. We need to debrief something that happened to me today. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go over the, uh, I called you. Were you okay when I called you Shankus Irons? Yes. Yeah. Tim's got a great uh Shank story coming up on this episode. Um, also, we're going to talk a little bit about the Open Championship. I think most people have you figured out by now. We record on Wednesdays. We play it back on Fridays. So we're recording this the day before the Open Championship starts. I want to ask Con- oh, O'Connor about your experiences as a golf journalist. I don't really know the answer about and We'll get to it later in the show about if you've actually covered it. But... Uh, Tim's got some uh, a great story from the uh, weekend uh, senior club championship. He's defending geezer, super geezer, uh, defending champion. I will also tell you briefly. I don't know if I ever told you or, or shared the story about my spiritual moment in Scotland. Mm. But if I if I've not told you before, I think you'll find it somewhat interesting. But uh, let's talk about the all new stealth irons from TaylorMade, engineered for better shots more often. I say. To learn more about the latest tailor-made products, including Stealth Drivers, the, the TP5 and TP5X family of uh, golfing balls, and uh, so much more, visit tailormadegolf.ca. Okay? You know, one, one thing I just want to mention. Please. It's, re- it's really interesting that TaylorMade, they've got their stuff, their major like the driver, like new stealth irons, et cetera. But they've always got some interesting things that they're releasing. I get these emails, as you do. And um, this week, I think they announced, like, uh, an open championship golf bag. I mean, yeah. it's just amazing. And and through the year, they, they've had, like, you know, I think something like a master's uh, cover for your putter. And so if you're looking for some cool stuff, maybe for a gift or just for your lonesome self – um, there's some very cool stuff that TaylorMade makes every year. I, I concur. Yeah, there's always some cool stuff released around majors, and this is no exception. TaylorMadeGolf.ca. JW Apparel, 
Inc.com. That's where you find out about Zero Restriction, Fairway and Green, B. Dratty, EPNY, Garb, Royal Albatross, and so much more. Timmy is festooned once again in a uh, lovely uh, golf polo. And uh, this, is, this is a piece from the B. Dratty collection made of Pima cotton, which is soft and lovely on the skin. Well, I'm glad to uh, hear you're enjoying it. And uh, don't forget our friends at NeuroPeak Pro, precision breathing, heart rate variability. Join stars like Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, and more. NeuroPeakPro.com. Um, why don't we uh, wrap uh, your round and the shanking episode in the middle? Uh, maybe we could start a little bit with the uh, current news of the day. The uh, Open Championship. I, I uh, don't know the answer to this. I've known you for uh, six or seven years. I don't know. Had you? I know you've covered the Masters. Did you ever get yep. the chance to uh, do the Open? Well, I had the chance. I guess I never took it because as a freelancer, I had to pay my own expenses. Ooh. And I never found a way to justify going all the way over there. Uh, maybe I should have invested in myself just for the experience. But uh, no, I always just covered it off the TV. <laughs> all right. Um, have you ever gone to Scotland and played? Yes, I have. I went about, I think it was about 12 years ago. Played uh, Royal Troon, uh, Prestwick, um, because I'm a certain age. Some of the other names I'm forgetting. Walked the old course on Sunday. We didn't get to play it. But uh, yeah, I've been to Scotland and it's, it's just uh, an amazing place to play golf for sure. You've been, right? Um, well, I've been several times. I uh, Well, several. I went most recently in 2017, and that's what I wanted to talk about, this kind of um, moment I had by myself playing golf in Scotland. But I will tell you, my father and I, uh, the year that uh, my daughter was born, 1994, that summer was the OJ summer. And I was actually in a bed and... summer? The OJ summer. The summer of 1994 is when the OJ thing happened where the white Bronco on the freeway, and that was being televised around the world. I mention it because I was sitting in the common room, my father and I, and several of the other boarders that were at the, this was before Airbnbs. So it was a bed and breakfast, and we all gathered around the television watching the OJ chase down the freeway. The white Bronco chase. And it was surreal because we were staying uh, near Presswick. And I was in this, you know, a building that was probably hundreds of years old watching O.J. Simpson being chased down the freeway. It was weird. Uh, on that trip, my father and I did play St. Andrews. We, got, we, we did the lottery thing. And I was a bit nervous on the first tee. And my dad said, uh, what's going on with you? And I, was, I was 34 at the time. I said, well, I recognized even then. I said, well, I'm a bit nervous because they've been playing golf here for 400 years. <laughs> you know, I was kind of <laughs> like, because uh, it's so, you know, there's very, people um, often overuse this sort of term, but it was so iconic that it was kind of mind-blowing, you know? You're, you're, you're there on the first tee. It's next to the 18th green. You're looking at old Tom Morris's pro shop there, and it's just a lot to take in. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, we'll come back to Scotland in a second. But first off, when you said the OJ thing, I'm thinking like, what's he talking about? The R&B band? The OJs. The OJs. <laughs> Roll oh, coaster. OJ, OJ, the football player who went bad. That guy. Um, what's interesting, the reason I'm mentioning it is that I was at the U.S. Open at Oakmont when the cops were chasing after OJ. And I remember like the press room is huge and everyone's just standing there like mouths agape, you know, watching it happen. Yeah. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy. And it's for some reason, like I, I always put those, those things together. It was the summer uh, just before my dog, my first kid was born. My dad and I were on this trip together. Uh, the day we played St. Andrews, there was no wind. And it was very easy. A couple wow. days later, we played Carnoustie in about a, I don't know, three-ish club wind. Like, pretty pretty sporty. 
And my right. dad, at, at the time, my dad got he got tired after about the 15th or 16th hole. And he said, I'm just going to walk the last couple with you because it was brutal. Yeah, and, I uh, get it. Oh. I don't remember my exact score at St. Andrews, but I was close to par. I was a couple over. But I do remember, hey. my, I do remember my score at the Carnoustie, and it was very close to nine. <clears throat> it was very close <laughs> to a nine. It was like 88, 89. It's tough, man. And uh, oh, I I, I'm not one of those people that, you know, is wistfully loves Lynx golf, even though I played a Lynx style course. But there's definitely something about it that's, I don't know, maybe it connects us to our love of the game or our parents or our fathers and mothers. I don't know. Oh, I, I love it. I've been really fortunate. I think I've been on somewhat like 10 golf trips to Ireland, one to Scotland. And I just love just how I'm not sure what the word is, whether it's basic, it's primitive or just what it is. But um, I just love how there's just all these hills and dunes and mounds and it's just rolling all over the place. And there's no kind of artifice. There's no there's no pond with a fountain. (laughs) That's right. There's no (laughs) that's funny. um, There's no amazing a box, a garden box of petunias and all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's just pure golf. And that, I guess, pure part of it really speaks to me. I just love just generally the land rolls and tumbles and all of that. That I I just think it's amazing. And I also love in Lynx golf, you can look across if you're on a high point let's say you know on a dune near an ocean or something you can look over and like you can see like five or six fairways mm-hmm. and it's amazing but just on the wind holy crap i remember playing waterville in the south of ireland and someone estimated that the wind was coming at 75 miles an hour and it was raining it felt mm. like pellets hitting me in the face and it was at la Hinch in ireland i was playing with lauren rubenstein and it was so windy. We played with one of Lauren's friends and his kid, who was about maybe 10 or 11. The father wouldn't let the kid walk anywhere near the dudes because for fear the kid would get blown off into the ocean. <laughs> That's funny. And, and our golf balls were getting blown off the greens. It was crazy. Uh, Lauren, who is uh, – I, I, was Lauren our first guest? Yes, he was. Uh, and I've known Lauren – for years, as you have, I played with him at the national. But you know, he's uh, he just became uh, well, not just became. I think he was just recently honored by the club at Dornuck, which yep. he's a Earl member Dornuck, of. Yep. But he wrote a great book called "A Season at Dornuck." Dornuck, mm-hmm. Dornuck, Dornuck, Dornuck. Yep. You're Dornuck. You're right, Dornuck. Um, and if you're one of those golf uh, people that like uh, some of the history of the game, and Lauren is beautifully written. Um, before we get to Tiger Woods, I'll tell you this. I, I, I'll tell you this as quickly as I can. So I was there in 2017. Uh, I know your spiritual moment. I, I noticed. I know Keith Pelly. He's the uh, commissioner of the DP World Tour, <clears throat> and I had him on. You know, I've known him for years. And and in a weak formerly moment, TSN, right? formerly of TSN, formerly yeah. of Rogers. He's the one for you nerds, sports nerds. He's the one that did the Hockey Night in Canada deal. The $5.2 billion Rogers deal to take over Hockey Night in Canada. He did that. Mm. But I've known him. And, and in a weak moment, he invited me to Scotland. <clears throat> he said, humbly, you should come over sometime. And I'm like, I will. Anyway, <laughs> so he arranged for me to play Wentworth. And then I went over to Scotland. And I played in the Scottish Open Pro-Am. And I've mentioned wow. this story before with David Howell. And it was an amazing experience. But I've talked about that. But I don't know if I've talked about this. The day before, so that was at Dundonald, which is an amazing golf course in Scotland. Mm -hmm. Um, But while I was there, I was there a couple days before the, I got, I played Wentworth on a Sunday. The Pro-Am was like the Wednesday. So I was hanging around the area for Monday, Tuesday. And I was, you know, looking on the range. And I was just sort of wandering around like a nerd. But I played (laughs) a public course right next to Dundonald. And I don't know the name of it. Doesn't matter. But you could basically, it was like a public course where I could see Dundonald from where I was. Anyway, I, I'm going to try and shorten this because I was playing a, a, a par three by myself. I played the whole nine holes by myself. And then I caught up with some guys from uh, Sweden, some golf nerds from Sweden. And I played the back nine with them. But while I was by myself, middle of the day, I had a, a cart. So I was pulling my clubs and I tee off 
on this par three, and the tee box has my back to the ocean, and I'm hitting toward, you know, land. But I'm right against the ocean. And it's the, uh, whatever the famous sea there is, uh, it doesn't matter. But it's like, Firth of Fourth, Fife of Fourth, Firthy, that thing. But it's um, it's the middle of the day, like, and I don't know why this happened, but the light was perfect. the The day was beautiful. I hit this nine iron, and uh, it's one of those sort of semi blind areas, so I didn't even know where my ball was. So it's not like I had this spiritual moment because I hit a good shot. I just remember hitting this shot, and as I'm walking away from the tee box, I can hear the sea, and I'm and I'm looking at this vista, uh, you know, a, a course you know, basically just carved out of the land. And as I get closer to the green, and I don't know why, I start to tear up. Like it was the yeah. craziest thing. And only, I don't know if golfers will think that's weird or not, but, and I, I have no idea why. I don't know, maybe the moment, the wind, the fact that I was, you know, in Scotland, I was on a golf course by myself. I don't know. But I started to get a little emotional, and it was like a weird, this is only five years ago. Um, maybe six years ago, 2017, whatever that is. And, um, you know, and then I get to the green. And of course, my ball's in a bunker and that the emotion quickly subsided. But there for a second, <laughs> for, for a second before I was like, really? Is that it? Golf? No, um, that's actually not true. It just makes the story better. But no, I was uh, wondering, like, geez, was I enlightened there just for a moment? No, no, I, I, by the way, I made that last part up just to make the story better. I, that's not that didn't happen. That just occurred okay. to me as it's a funny but I did have an emotional response to being in that setting. Um, I've never, I haven't had that on a golf course other than a couple other times. But in that moment by myself, I was like, oh, this is what golf is. This is, this is why we love the game so much. Because it can, it can make us feel that for just for playing this silly game. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's... Well, what a lovely story. And I think anyone who has golf in their soul, we can call golf nerds, but I like to also say we have golf in our soul. There's certain times in which just certain things just click and mesh, and it's like it all just comes together in a magic moment. And I think most every golfer has mm-hmm. a moment like that or two. And, yeah, it's a lovely thing. It absolutely it is. And I think it connects us to to the greater reasons we play other than, yes, of course, you know, in putting our score and senior index go down. That's always fun. But, yeah, there's, there's bigger things at play that I don't even think we're even, quite frankly, aware of. So, yeah, great story. I, I like, it. no, but I like that. It's, um, if you have golf in your soul, that's a great way to put it. Um, I do remember the last time I had that. So this was... Uh, 2018 when I had just kind of been back playing tournament golf for a couple years and uh, I got to the uh, 35th hole of our club championship at that time and uh, it was my 17th hole of the day where it was apparent that I was going to win I had like a Mm. 6 or 7 shot lead on the guy I was playing with and a bigger lead on everyone else in the field. And I remember this distinctly that while I putted out and I, and he was putting out, was playing in a twosome. I had to turn away because I started to tear up again thinking, you know, after all this time, I'm going to win another, like it was crazy to me, but I, and it was funny because I had to, I, I could sort of feel it. And then I turned away and I was like wiping my eyes because I still had one more hole to play. But I remember that it, and it wasn't like, Anything occurred to me other than I just had this emotional response, right? It's great. Love it. Absolutely love that. And I love the fact that you uh, would share that. Not everyone would. So I think that's, that's amazing. Well, you know, I'm a big suck. Um, speaking of uh, the Open Championship, just quick, and I don't want to belabor the... But anyway, the, so the Open thing is on, and of course, lots of controversy, but also lots of lovely moments. Nicholas receiving the honorary... Uh, citizen of St. Andrews. This is why I love golf because only two other people have been given this honor, Bobby Jones and Ben Franklin. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like how, 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 
there's no other sport where like Joe DiMaggio and Abraham Lincoln. You know, it's like what? So I watched that. That was very. I don't know if you saw any of the uh, video of uh, Jack accepting this honor. That was beautiful. Uh, they have this thing every five years when the uh, Open is at St. Andrews where they have like a four-hole past champions little thing, little pro-am. That was amazing. Trevino and, and everybody. What do you think, by the way? This is what I'm getting to. What are your thoughts, if you have any, about Greg Norman being de-invited to the Open Championship Champions Celebration? Well, um, instinctively, I, I was I was glad about it. Uh, there's some other issues at play when I'm not really kind of being a little boy about things. Um, but I but I could understand it from a PR standpoint. Uh, it's the 150th, all that stuff, and I just think they just decided, you know what, we're just going to shut this down in terms of the. Of, of the distraction and all that. And so, uh, yeah, you're not invited. So I, I could understand it from, uh, from certainly a, a PR standpoint. Uh, let's keep the focus on, on the open championship and on the golf. So, yeah, but you know, I think you could argue the other side. It was kind of a sucky move too. <laughs> it was an, it was a very weird move, but I agree with you. I think they did it for those reasons to keep the distractions of the live golf tour down. But the guy won, you know, say what you want about Greg Norman. Yeah, he won two Open Championships. He he won two Open Championships. The guy was the the only other person other than Tiger Woods that has been number one in golf anywhere near that. It's it's Greg Norman. I mean, his legacy is being, is a bit, it's always been a bit weird. But, you, you know, we forget that Greg Norman, for a good period of time, was the most popular best golfer on planet earth and i thought it was a little bit maybe sucky or you know i see both sides like i could see how norman would have thought that was a bit shitty actually oh 100 percent, he would but norman also not well liked at all by his by his peers um they didn't like him because basically he saw he thought and still does, I think, to some degree, thinks the the sun shines out of his orifice. I remember just I, I remember being in Augusta in a restaurant, eating and reading Golf Digest, and and Greg Norman talked about in the interview how he's one of those guys. He admitted that he comes up the the, the traffic is all stopped. He'll go in the shoulder and go ahead and says, "Yep, you are an asshole." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he got de-invited. Mickelson wasn't de-invited, but didn't show up. But, um, you know, I've been a Tiger fan for a long time. I think you know that. And I've always said this about Tiger, that he's not the greatest. Was, as a younger man, was a horrible interview. And I'm sure you've, been, you've experienced oh, yeah, it. Absolutely. He's terrible in the press room. And I always thought, well, that, you know, again, he's a, as a younger man... He got burned a little bit. There's a famous Esquire article when he first oh, kind of yeah. burst on the joke. scene. They, he right. told that off-color joke or something. And I think what happened was he realized and his team th- said, well, like kind of like Michael Jordan. There's a famous quote about Jordan uh, when he was asked about his political uh, proclivity. He said famously, Republicans buy sneakers too. So Jordan was always very diplomatic because he didn't want to have an opinion about, you know, politics or anything controversial because he was a, a sneaker salesman as well, right? Yeah. So I think that was kind of, and Tiger looked up to Jordan. I think that was kind of his thing. Well, cut to 25 years later. There yesterday during that press conference was a grown man, a 46, soon to be 47-year-old person who... I, I got to be honest, before I heard the commentary about it, I thought this, which was, it's the most articulate I've ever seen him be. Not just opinionated, but able to articulate that opinion. It, it really was something. If you haven't seen it, everybody, go check out a couple minutes of it. I'm not just saying that because I love Tiger, but it really was substantive, 
whatever that word is I'm trying. You know, it had some substance. Substantive. We'll go with substantive. Yeah. And he expressed it so well. Uh, I know you didn't see it, but I will tell you one thing he said if I can finish up. He said one of the reasons, and he, he articulated it perfectly about competition and how, you know, you've got to earn it in the dirt, you know, that you've yep. got to practice. And, but he said Our, ours is a merit gay, merit-based culture. And golf is all about open-based, open competition. And it's one of the things that makes golf so special that anybody can earn their, their way. But unlike other sports, you're, you're not paid whether you, whether you play well or not, basically. Yeah. Um, where I go with that is, yeah, I, I love what he said. And I always thought that, um, you know, if you're a second baseman on a major league baseball team and you haven't hit a thing in six weeks. There's someone still carrying your bag to the bus and you're getting that paycheck you know, in the bank. In golf, it's not that way. So there's that part of it. But the other part that I think about is, and we actually were discussing this in my Golf is Life group, which we had last night. And that is on the golf course and I think and off the golf course, Golfers, and I, I see this in other sports too. They have to be they're, they're in this zone where they know this is where they need to be to stay focused so they can be their best in, in the arena. I think Nick Faldo was like that. You know, he, he, you know, he was just so terse and he could actually be kind of a, a real dick. And then once his competition was over, he just he could let it go. And I think the same thing's happening with Tiger. I remember like Davis Love. Curtis Strange, uh, Dave Barr, like these guys, when they played golf, they were grumpy gusts because that's what they needed. They needed to create this almost container, this environment where, where they weren't distracted. And so I think that in Tiger's renaissance, if you will, he's now taking the lid off of it because yeah. he knows it's, he can just free will now. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Tiger as a competitor was always a bit prickly and very much in his own world. But you can see and whether he senses this being his last opportunity to be, as he said this week, somewhat competitive. He didn't say that, but competitive at the old course they play and they only play here every five years or so. So he doesn't like the next time around. You know, that's Swillican or is it Silicon? Swillican. The Swillican bridge shot. That could be when that could be his early 50s. You know, the wave as he goes over it. But um, it's almost like he's now speaking for the game of golf. And one of the things he said, and I think it's really true. The governing bodies of the major championships and the official world golf rankings, because he brought that up, too. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that one of the things these live golfers are going to have to contend with is if the ranking bodies don't recognize, and right now they don't. Nope. They don't recognize 54-hole no-cut tournaments for ranking points. They do recognize no-cut tournaments, the World Golf Championships, that are 72 holes. Mm-hmm. But Tiger brought that up. And that's the thing about Tiger, why I was so impressed. He has the minutia of this down. He gets it. He understands, and he understands, is a real historical perspective. And it made me, it reminded me again, listening to him. Oh yeah, he went to Stanford. Like that's not playing for Oklahoma. No offense. But you know, you don't get into Stanford uh, just for being a really good golfer. You have to have some kind of acumen anyway. So all by way of saying that this will be probably his last opportunity to even be somewhat relevant. Because I don't see him. Like, if he made the cut, that would be great. If he finished in the top 25, amazing. But there's no way this version of Tiger Woods, I don't see him contending anymore. No, we would both love to be delightfully surprised. Yeah. But when you watch him walk, uh, you know, you catch a glimpse of what his leg looks like, you know, ouch. You know, and and he finally came out. You know, he talked about how, the masters was excruciating. You could tell like, how do you focus on golf when you've got pain happening with every step of the way? So, 
yeah, I, I, I don't see it happening, you know, him, him contending, but you know, maybe if the, 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 I was going to say the lamb lies down. The wind lies down. The lamb li- if yeah, Maybe if the lamb lies down on Broadway, Genesis. Thank you. Thank you. Um, exactly. Well, I was going to I was looking for a song here that would uh, set up. Um, set up the uh, next section. I, I, I think I a found Neil one. Neil Young, old man. No, no. This will be good for you. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to be playing here? Here we go. Shanks for the memory. Oh, lovely. Of sentimental birds. Of balls that go awry. Of championships. Of things that happen in tournament golf. On nigh. Oh, how lovely. Shanks for the memories. Very first time Tim and I played golf together. He uh, shanked a bunch of iron shots, and I was like, I admire this man because I don't know how you continue, but you do. Yeah. By the way, shanks happen to very good players, Tim. Very good players. Well, it happened to Justin Thomas in the uh, final round of the PGA, which he happened to go ahead and win. Yeah, there you go. So, what are the circumstances? Uh, the floor is all yours, Coach Tim. What do we What do we need to know about this latest Shank episode? <laughs> um, second round of Senior Club C. I'm one behind the leader. Uh, I forget how. Oh, first couple holes I think went fine. I think it might have been one over. Whatever hit a very nice. T ball and number three at Blue Springs that you know long par three no sorry no, that, no, that, that, the yeah the little par four like, yeah, um, quirky yeah I know the, you're right call it it goes immediately dog leg to the right. semi ninety degree dog leg yeah that's right iron and, off uh, the tee anyways, kind of vibe yeah so um, I think the uh, whatever I'm not going to get into the minutia of it but I had a I think a, I had a gap wedge. And uh, next thing I know, the ball is skittering along the ground and goes into a pond. And I just said it right away. Guys, I just hit a shank. Which says, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> I said, well, if I can say it, it gives me power over it. And uh, went on to make a triple. And uh, actually, a- anyways, the... The the hardest shot after a shank is your next iron shot. <laughs> I had a, a five iron and I maybe got that one three feet off the ground. I didn't shank it, but but it, I finally got it back. But boy, what a struggle it was to to get it back. Okay, we'll just back up. Okay, so the hole is uh, I don't know. So we're, we're we're not. Oh, you mean we're not done diagnosing this? Going through no, all the no, because something happened there. The shards so, of glass in my eyes. <laughs> so it was your second shot on that hole. So you got about what, like 110, 120 in, something like that? It was like 100, 105. Okay. And I think I was a little bit uncertain whether this was the right club or not. And so you went ahead and hit it anyway, even though you weren't completely certain. You shank, <laughs> wait, you shank it into that pond. We're, getting, we're not done with you yet. But here's the thing I don't understand. So you said the next iron was a five iron. No, is then so if you shanked it into the pond, so you oh, go actually no, I hit a wedge. I, I had no, you had to pitch right. it up to the green, right? Yeah, but it was a pitch, and, right? And a pitch isn't oh, a big deal. But but my curiosity is this: you're two in the pond, you're four on the green, and three putt, and you three putted then. And well, that makes sense. Yeah, well, I had like I because you're my, unnerved. You were unnerved by oh, the experience. Totally, totally. I was, you know, I. I've been putting really well for the last couple of weeks and I've been, quite honestly, putting the quiet eye thing into practice. I look at the target, come back to the ball, just stay there, and I just stroke the ball. And I was, I became immediately aware that as soon as I hit that second putt, I was just up and out of that like a jackrabbit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, please, dear God, go in. Now it's t- you know, listen, I'm not trying to mock you. I'm just saying it's very no, difficult. No, no. Once You know, a lot of the times in tournaments, you know, we've talked about this, where things start to happen at a rapid rate. And we don't know. It's almost like we go unconscious. That's why they seem to be happening so fast, because we're, we're just not there anymore. Totally. 
And what I think it also speaks to, and I, I found this in the round. Yeah, this meant a lot to me. I was, you know, I had a chance to defend. You know, I entered the final round one shot back, playing in the final group, all that stuff. And what I wasn't as cognizant of was, as you talk about, I love that metaphor you use, um, the thermostat. Mm -hmm. So the thermostat was a little higher. Elevated, yeah. Exactly. So everything to me was a little bit, a little bit faster, not as plugged in, just because I was just wasn't in kind of, I was struggling all day to come back to this sort of this, this feeling of being in my body, of being able to move at a nice pace. And, and it was like, all day, I just felt a little off balance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the whole thing of tournament golf and getting used to that. Um, well, I totally uh, I agree. I relate to it. You know, um, and you feel compassion. I know. I can just it's oozing out of you. I just I have compassion. I'm a golf spiritual leader. <laughs> of course, I do. Um, no, what I was trying to think about where I want to go with it, just in terms of that. That is the crux of tournament golf, which is that feeling of being a little off kilter, of being a little. Uh, Hands don't feel your, you know, your feel is gone a little bit and struggling yep. to get it back. And what I was going to, I mean, I, as much tournament golf as I play, which is quite a bit, like literally every week I have a tournament and not every week do I feel completely comfortable. Uh, when I played London Hunt a week ago, I did not feel comfortable in the round and it, it showed in my putting. Um, yesterday I played a senior rider cup event and I felt very comfortable and from the literally the first tee shot to the the 18th green I just had it on full flush but I've nice. so I've had the I've had the experience of when you just don't feel like that and I relate to what you're saying that it's almost like you know it's just not there and you've got to do what you can on that day to mitigate the damage not damage exactly. just to, to, to just try and get the best score you can given that's what's happening on that day. And it's not easy. That's why, you know, tour players will have three or four weeks in a row where they'll miss a cut or they'll top 50 or whatever. And then all of a sudden they win or they have top 10. It's because not every, not every tournament feels the same as the last one. And that's why we've said this on the show. If you want to get good at tournament golf, you better play a lot of it. You know, it's not easy. If you go to your once a year club championship or a couple times a year, you're playing a little thing. It's hard because we feel disconnected. Oh, absolutely. And you see it in club championships all the time. Um, most of the guys who, the way they finished in the, in the senior club C, they were all nowhere near their usual game. Of course. You know, like 15, 20 strokes higher. You know, and, and what's the difference? Uh, this means something to them. They care. They 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 want to, and maybe they're also thinking like, "What will people think of me?" Mm -hmm. Etc. All that all that stuff, and that's the thing about tournament golf that that when you know when the temperature is raised, that's when I'll speak personally that it's harder for me to stay in committed to say my intention and mm -hmm. one of my intentions was to be connected to the to the golf club that's just something i have just been feeling in the last few weeks i've been playing really really well in the last two three weeks and i feel connected to the club and i actually feel like it's i'm swinging it it feels like it's just a nice swing and but i'm addicted to results and in a tournament with that much more stress, I'm not as able to to kind of rein it in when I start to get concerned. Oh, that went right. Well, what do you do to do that? Well, you change your alignment this way, or you open the the you're going to close down the club face a little bit. So I got pulled off the thing that that I've been staying focused on. It's helping me play good golf because well, results and just the the tension there. And I think that happens 
in maybe the, the broader perspective here is that it's like Ed, uh, Ed Collins, uh, Ed Collin, uh, I was listening to a bunch of our podcasts with him and he talked about, <laughs> he said, behavior change is a bitch. Yeah, man. <laughs> the way I love the way he said that. So in essence, I saw my experience on the weekend having snippets of some good golf and also seeing how my old behaviors came back to haunt me because behavior change is tough, particularly under pressure. You know, something you said uh, in that about all the people in the tournament all shot higher than they normally do. But that happens at every level. I was talking to our boy Charlie Fitz yesterday. Dr. Fitz is in the Ontario Amateur and I'm looking at the uh, scores right now. He's currently tied for six. Shot even par yesterday. Oh, good for and him. I, and I talked right to him. On my, pardon me? Uh, well, good for him. He's yeah, right there. He's right there. And uh, But I, I talked to him about his round. He starts off on the first hole. I think they're playing at Scarborough. And he hits it in a hazard, makes a bogey. Second hole, he three putts, makes a bogey. And I asked him, I said, uh, how did your swing feel at that point? He said, like, shit. This is, by the way, this is the current Canadian mid-amateur champion who is ranked somewhere in the top six or 700 on earth. And he said, my and swing Ontario felt... And Ontario match play champion. And Ontario... So, and that's what Charlie said. He said, I found his swing felt like shit. <laughs> and he said... Exactly. He said, it's been feeling crappy the last couple of weeks. He hasn't been swinging it well. His back's bugging him a little bit. His wrist always bugs him. But what Charlie has is experience from all these experiences and just... Kind of like his intention for this tournament was patience. Can I stay patient enough? And I don't know that we talk enough about what that means in the actual game itself. But what he meant it to be was, I know I'm going to make some birdies. I'm going to start bogey bogey. And he finished the day even par. But he, nice. he said during the round, I could see it was, a, it was a really tough day here yesterday in Ontario. Where I was, it was super windy. Where he was in the city, very windy day. And he could just see the vibe in his group and the vibe and you know, I just tell like other guys are getting very frustrated. And he said, no, I'm just going to continue to be patient because a couple over or whatever, it's not going to hurt me. So right. he shoots even par, he's in the top six. But I can tell you as well, to your point about other guys, I'm looking at some people I know really, really high-level golfers that shot six and seven over, probably the highest score they've had all year. And there are some guys that qualified that I don't know, and I'm not going to name them or shame them, but to say that they qualified for the Ontario Amateur, and here's some scores that they shot in the first round. 87, 88, 89, 91, 96. So, and these are all golfers that, even I'm sure the guy that shot 96 is closer to scratch than he is to a guy who shoots 96. Absolutely. So how do you explain that? Well, you've explained it because you feel different. You know, you had this swing thing going. You feel like you're swinging well, but it's like, you know, Mike Tyson says, it's, you know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. You know, until you shank uh, your, your second shot on an easy par four, and all of a sudden, your electrical system goes haywire, you know? That's a wonderful... I love the way you put that. Um, and it is... Haywire is a good way to look at it, is that something's going on that I can't connect to anymore, or there's something going on in my body, and I just don't know really what it is. Mm-hmm. And to come back to, to basic skills like breathing... Um, and just moving slower, taking your time. I love the story you told. I forget when. Recently, I think, about you played in an event, and you made an eagle, yes. and you're all excited. Yeah, and so you went Hill. over to your golf bag and pretended that you were <laughs> looking right. for something yeah. to give yourself time to settle down. Yeah. And that's great awareness, 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 awareness. So if we have that, then we can respond. But that's the hard part about tournament golf and, and a lot of other situations where we're kind of jacked up. Is it's it, it's we're in our heads and it's like, what's going on? And it's just so hard just to to lower it down. But it, but if we if I'm aware of what's going on, then I can start to take action. But I get caught in my old behaviors. 
there, that old there's stuff? two times where I recommend to my people that you really take a little bit of extra time before the next shot you hit. After a really, really good hole, you made a birdie, you had a nice save, or, or some, or in my case, I made eagle in a tournament. And, or when you've made triple on the third hole of a tournament. That is the time when you need to find a way to reset at that moment. You know, I started off, um, you know, our senior club championship. I three-putted the first two holes and then was able to play the next, I was three under through the next five. Because on that third tee, I did the same thing. I made myself take a second or two extra because what happens when we start to spiral out of control is we want to make it up quickly, which is why we had this discussion recently, you and I, when we've hit a bad shot, one of the reasons we will rush to the next shot is because we want it. We want to have a do over. We want to make up for it. When in actual fact, that's when you need to kind of reset. I watched some old footage, I guess on uh, live from uh, last night. It was a, an old shot of David Duvall in the road hole, road hole bunker at St. Andrews during oh. Tiger's win in 2000. He was uh, poised to finish second, and he took three or four to get out of the bunker. But after every attempt, he got out of the bunker, tapped his shoes, wiped his club, reset, and went back again. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just a pure example of a professional golfer playing Love golf that. professionally which is behavioral as well as skill-wise, you know? It's a behavior. Absolutely. I, we had, in our Quiet Mind group, we were doing an exercise with <clears throat> one of our guys in putting where, I think I've described it before on the podcast, where you have two people at a hole. One person is about 12 feet away, the putter. Another person is behind the hole, and they're holding... they they have their hands just above the hole and they're flashing numbers. And the person has to putt while looking at the person's hand and, and add the numbers while putting. I mean, right. it's, it's it's a great exercise. This guy, balls are going everywhere. Like left and right, long, short. And he's getting angry and he's going faster and faster and faster. Because his when he gets frustrated, that's what he does. As most, most people do is, you know, I got to get this right. Got to double down and just gets worse and worse. So I said to him, I said, Hey, stop, breathe, Mm -hmm. breathe some more. And, but again, that's his behavior. And I, I said to him, uh, well, anyways, he started to putt again. And then he started to, these putts started to roll and um, he put three in a row from 12 feet. And I said, I said, what happened there? He says, he says, I gave up control Mm -hmm. because he always wanted to watch that putter go back. So that's, you know, you can't add numbers looking one way and watch the putter go back. And I said, is that like, like your life? And he says, that is my struggle. I can't give up control. And Again, so I'm just tying that into how golf yanks at these behaviors, and that's why it's such a, a, a great actual you know, emotional, physical, and spiritual game. Yeah. It's because we can see ourselves in this dang game. Well, and, and you said something great. I thought about our, how did you put it, that you know, we, we will always default, or our default behaviors will show up in golf tournaments. Yep, absolutely. And, and that's why, again, you know, experiences give us experience. And, you know, uh, uh, we, but even so, you'll still have moments in tournaments. I have them all the time where I'm like, you know, it's funny. I played a golf course yesterday that uh, five years ago, I played a qualifier there. And on the third last hole, I made a triple bogey. Pard 17, bogeyed 18 to qualify on the number, got retroed out as to an alternate, and spent nine hours at the tournament site waiting on the first tee to see if somebody wouldn't show up. 
So I was so traumatized, apparently. Yes, exactly. I was so, that I forgot I'd ever played the golf course. I swear to God this happened. It's not just a senior moment. So I go to the tournament yesterday. It's a team event. I'm warming up, talking to some of the guys. In fact, one guy said to me, from the golf course, 20 Valley is the name of the place. Oh, yeah. He said, oh, you've played here before. I said, no, I don't think so. Like, literally, what I, I had wiped it out of my brain. So we play one, two, three, and four. And four is a short par four. It goes up this hill. And I'm, I promise you, Tim, as we were coming up the hill, I still would have told you I've never played here before until I saw the 18th tee. And I was like, oh, yeah, this place. This place where I, I had a uh, uh, – I was – well, with the par 72, so with, well, with, I was two over par with three holes to go. I had a, I, I hit a, it was a long par three, the 16th hole, it's like 195. I hit kind of a shitty five iron, short of a bunker. And famously, my buddy Paul, who was caddying for me, Hendrick, my Yoda, and he famously said, you got this shot? I said, yes, I didn't. And I dumped it in the bunker. Then I sculled it into a hazard. Then I had to drop and, and hit it on the green and sank a 35-footer for triple bogey. Anyway, when I got to that, so it was funny. Like All of a sudden, I remembered I'd played this course because those last three holes, I guess I just decided that it was too traumatic. And well, I totally. wiped it. it was, I don't, it's either repression or yes. suppression. I'm not sure which of the eschens it is. But, but. I'll, I will say this, too. I was So once I remembered I'd played there for the rest of the round, the next 14 holes, as I said to my buddy Hendo on the way home, I said, you know, it was good for me because as good as I played that day, and I was playing pretty well. I'm two over in a tournament with three mm-hmm. holes to go. Four over for the last three, I shoot six over par. But I said to Paul, I said, you know, I know now, I'm, I'm, and that's as I'm 62, I was 57. I'm, I'm so much different as a golfer now that I would never let that happen again. Now, I say that because I know it will happen again, making a triple bogey in a par three. But I just have a different feeling about myself as a golfer now than I did that day. In those days, I was still sort of, you know, a little bit more fragile, still fragile, but less so than I was on that day. And I was just tickled to play the golf course again once I remembered it. This is pretty funny, actually. It is, yeah. yeah so is weird. Yeah. Um, before we finish, tell me about your round today. Yeah, well, thank you. And... Um... So I have um, a routine. I go out every Wednesday. Um, uh, Greg Pacenti at Blue Springs is kind enough to just let me go off before uh, the tea time starts. So I blast around in two hours and 15 minutes. Sometimes Greg joins me. Today I was alone. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good. I get to the tea and I'm, he said, yeah, there's no pressure here. Today's the day. It just makes nice swings feel connected. <laughs> First swing of the day is about a 50-yard smother hook. <laughs> you know, oh, my gosh. Like You're by yourself? Like, yes, absolutely. So wow. I'm, I, I feel fortunate that my reaction was to laugh. That's good. Um, anyways, uh, made bogey. Uh, second, I'm not going to, believe me, I'm not going to go and. Oh, no, no, please. No, no, pl- take me through no. every shot for the next 18 holes. <laughs> no, you do not need a cart for this story. <laughs> Please tell me every shot. That should actually be a service that somebody should pay. I would pay somebody for fifty bucks. You just you get to tell that person every shot you hit. <laughs> exactly, that's the service. Yeah, you, you could buy someone absolutely to say I care. Listen, you you anyone who takes this idea, it's my idea. I'm going to start this online. I'm going to call it the golf listener or the golf uh, something. But all it is, is you get to call me and tell me every shot you've hit. 50 bucks. Yeah. Anyways. It starts, with, it starts with something along the lines of, I'm Fraser Crane, and I'm listening. I'm listening. Um, so second hole, uh, the, uh, just the most over-the-top, left-of-left hook shot. <laughs> like, you know, into the woods is so deep, I think that's where Lord Voldemort hangs out. That's right. Anyways, it's like Hogwarts. So it, it's yeah. it's... it's so red, you, red, red steak, I drop, actually, I make a bogey. So I'm two over. Nice. Well, just, just so anyways, um, things change, and I start to play pretty nicely. I, so 
I uh, two over, I get to 11, sink about a 10 footer for birdie. Uh, one over, number 12, sink about a 10 footer for birdie, I'm even. And it's like, oh wow. Are you walking by the way? No, I was in a cart. Yeah, because I was going to say that walk between 12 and 13 T is like pack a lunch, get get an Airbnb. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I love your golf. Okay, it shouldn't say that. I don't love your golf course. I like your golf course, but that that between 12 and 13 is like, what? Yeah, and 17 to 18. 17 to 18. It's not as bad as that one, though. That 12 to 13 one is ridiculous. Okay, so anyways, I, I, uh, so I let the putt go on 12. And it's going to, I said, this is going in. This is happening. And it's like, wow, I just got it from, I was through over at one point, and now I'm even. Mm. And it's like, wow. I had a smile on my face and all that. And I went, okay, Timmer. And I, as I walked to the cart, I went, wow, it's going to happen today. I can't wait to tell Howard. <laughs> and right. it's like, oh, you're in it. Six holes you're to go. You're in the story. You're in the story. Yeah, there you go. And um, I went, okay. Now, now's the time we've got to go slow, slow it down. So I didn't floor the cart all the way to the next tee as I usually do. I go around like riding with me in a cart is like being at the C and E in the bumper car thing. It's like, I'm roaring all around. Yeah, that's so, me too. Slower. So wait a second, and, between, anyways, I, between 12 and 13, you just stop at the on route. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Jesus. So I go up and around and anyways, um, I am just doing my level best just to stay connected to the club and swing the club. No, I yanked that sucker dead left. And I'm sure it's OB, but I find it. Make another lovely par, you know, on 13 footer. Yeah. On 13. Yeah. That's a tough green to hit from uh, way over there on the left though. That's a good shot or get near yeah, that green. It, it's good. No, it was. And then, um, anyways, so the, the point is, and then, but and on 14, another kind of shaky left swing. And then I hit it out of bounds on 15. And I was just kind of went, oh, well, this is, you know, I was disappointed, but I was going like, okay, Tim, this is, I was trying to be my best coach and to myself and all this stuff is, is that this is new territory for you. To be three over at one point in the middle of round. I don't ever remember doing this, Howard. I quite honestly never remember being three over and getting myself back to even, um, you know, early in a back nine or something. Um, and I was just aware that it was hard for me to connect with my body. Uh, I was also aware I had to get home because I had a podcast to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have all day to stand there and, you know, meditate or whatever. Um, so anyways, I finished with a 77, so not bad, but, um, well, not bad considering you, uh, hit one out of bounds. That's two shots. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, it was just, it was, um, I could just tell again, connecting back to the club C and how everything's accelerated and all of that. It's just like, I'm really excited because I think I learned a ton today. Right from those experiences of of knowing you know i'm swinging it well but also i know that when i start to get attached to what's going on and this counts for something and like oh my god today i could be even par or something right um that's just such a great reminder that i still have a lot of work to do in 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 Practicing my own sense of awareness of what's going on, staying committed, stay, you know, connecting to what's actually happening as opposed to getting stuck in my head, which is, to use the word you used a little while ago, is my default, is to go to my head. Well, the, I mean, I think it's great. In 77, it's nothing to sneer at, but the, the, the big takeaway for me listening to it, and again, I'm available. If anyone wants to pay me $50... Golf spiritual leader will listen to your round. I listen to your round. Maybe that's it. I listen. Tell me your round.com. What's the time limit though? Um, just, well, you, I would say for, I, you know, 15, 20 minutes, however long. But one of the wow. things I would remind you and I would charge I'll, way more than that <laughs> for 15. Well, no, listen, you can't, it's not an hour, but call me up and give me 50 bucks and I'll give you 15 or 20 minutes. 
It, I'll pay me 150 bucks and I'll tell you what went wrong. But I I'll think give I'd it, rather I'll, have hot spikes put in my eyes but go ahead if you not look me. at it as a revenue and making opportunity you go I'm for not, it listen I don't have O'Connor money I've got to make ends meet so here's the thing <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would make you laugh so uh, here's the takeaway for, your, for anyone who just heard Tim's story and, and I'm reiterating something <laughs> I've said a million times and it's been said to me when you realized after the birdie on 12 the, the moment that, you, that took you out of the round is the moment that you said, I was this and now I'm this. The truth is you're nothing at that point. Because you're right. as my buddy Hendrick would say, and it's too bad that he is, uh, you know, it's too bad because I don't know, I, I don't know how many times I've probably quoted him more times than anyone else in this show. But he used to tell me that all the time. You're not done the round yet. He said, are you going to quit at 12? Because if you're not, if you're, because if you're going in, you can say, "Well, I played twelve holes today, and I was even par." But if you're going to play the rest of the round, you're nothing yet. You're, you're, ha- you haven't shot anything. You're just playing the. I know it sounds stupid, but no, no, the second it. we start to, not just add up the score, but to sort of take stock of where we are, mm-hmm. and the way he used to tell me, because lots of times I would get, a, I would have a good round going. I might be whatever, a couple under par, and I could see the clubhouse. And I was like a, a horse. They call it, Out west, we call it uh, being barn sour. You ever heard that phrase before? No, this is, this is cool. When I was a kid, I had horses, and one of the first things you're taught is when you take your horse on a ride away from its location, the barn, um, you go out for a ride a couple hours out in the prairie. When you turn around to come home, you can run the horse all you want, but when the horse, when you get in sight of your property, that's when you need to walk the horse slowly and deliberately back to the barn. Because if a, born, if a horse gets barn sour, what will happen is as soon as it sees the barn, it takes off because it wants to get home. Well, I was like that when I'd have a good round going. I used to be on the 15th tee, even par, one under, whatever it was, whatever your personal, and I would see the clubhouse and want to be, and I'd want the round to be over. And what he said to me is, really good players, first of all, want to keep on making birdies, want to keep on doing well. Their, their version of what they, what they want is if they get deep, they want to get deeper. So when you were even par after 12, rather than like, oh, I'm three over, now I'm 12, I can leave the school, you know? It's like, <laughs> let's get to the 13th hole and let's play that hole and see if I can make another birdie. Yeah. Um, it happens to all of us. We just get a little barn sour. We just want to get to the house. Usually if we're playing well, but sometimes when we're playing poorly, we've all said this, fuck, I wish this round was over, you know? We've all had oh, that yeah. feeling, but it's interesting that it can also happen when we're playing nicely. I wish this was round. I'm sure at some point, you know, we've all had that where you think, man, I'm playing so well, I just wish it was over. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to burst this bubble that I'm in, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think uh, that CBC should revive that Heartland show. Remember the horse show? I don't know if you ever saw it. No. I mean, maybe they could work golf and the, the, the barn sour thing. Absolutely. And, I, I'm just thinking. Uh, people whose who's, who's, uh, partners like Heartland would relate. Um, yeah, that's um, – anyways, like I said, I felt uh, – I kind of laughed at myself a little bit. But I'll tell you, I, I, another funny moment <laughs> – we were talking about Ian Baker Finch. Uh, we were talking with Ed Collin about four or five years ago about how Ian Baker Finch completely lost his game. Mm-hmm. And he's standing on the first tee at St. Andrews and he missed it. You know, that thing's like 300 yards wide. Yeah, he did, went OB, he went OB left. Yeah, I did that on eight, 18 today. Like the, the 18th fairway and the ninth hole are right beside each other. Yeah, it's and enormous. So the 18th hole <laughs> to the left. Well, I almost missed the ninth fairway. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm driving my car around looking for my ball. What the hell? Come on. That's really funny. And I finally look over, and it's on the edge, the very far left of the of the ninth fairway. I mean, talk about Yankaroo left. It was it was really funny. Well, listen, man. I appreciate you sharing your uh, experience with us. We all learn something. That's what this show is all about. We all learn by, you know, admitting our foibles and. Uh, 
You know, that's the experience. Thanks very much to uh, Tim O'Connor for being our guest today. If you need me to listen to your golf round, uh, get a hold of me. I'll listen to your, I'll listen to your sad tales. Um, and, uh, of course, Tim uh, O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. That's how you get uh, to actually work with Coach Tim. Uh, you can get a hold of me if you want to uh, catch up on all things Decade. Uh, Fawcett put out an interesting package for the uh, 150th Open Championship. If you're a decade guy, you know what I'm talking about. Basically, he shares with us. Like, he's got about 30 players in the field. Wow. He's got 30 guys that are decade guys in the field. Zalatoris, Sink, Mitchell, a bunch of guys. And he sends out to the decade family the package he prepares for his players. And it's fascinating to sort of see where he recommends Tour, pro, tour pros play that golf course. Uh, thanks to uh, JW Apparel Inc., of course, uh, NeuroPeak Pro. And of, uh, as always, a really special thanks to our good friends at uh, TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Just incredible. I, I, uh, I've gotten so used to how that carbon wood driver sounds, but people who haven't heard it, and it happened yesterday because I was hitting there pretty good. And the guys we were playing with were like, wow, that makes an interesting sound. I said, yeah, that is the sound of technology. It really does. I would say it's very forgiving. But, man, when you get it on or near the sweet spot, it does have a, a whole different layer of energy transfer. That's it's what I super think. super solid. It is solid. And uh, finally, let me just say this cryptic thing. Because uh, GSL almost never talks about golf swings. But I will tell you this, kids. You are responsible for the club face. Take responsibility for it. And I'll explain next time. We're off for the next two weeks. O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleAndFredRadio.com, and uh, we'll see you soon.